If you have your Bibles, we will be in the book of 1 John. Right, 1 John, that is not, oddly enough, not the first John you actually come to in the Bible. Uh, it's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the John towards the end of the New Testament with the one in front of it. All right, 1 John. And um, here's, I was looking at kind of the schedule and stuff. And, and let me blow your mind here this morning before we get started. So we're going to spend about five weeks in the book of 1 John. Uh, we're not, not going word for word, verse for verse, but just kind of uh, hitting some highlights in the book of 1 John. And then so five weeks there. Then we're going to hit our Advent or Christmas series. Five weeks in that, and then that'll be the year. Isn't that crazy? Like We've almost been together a year, guys. We've almost made it. All right? So um, I, I thought there might be more excitement than that, but that'll be all right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not... I'm not clamoring, clamoring for your applause. All right. Anyways, for real. First um, John, who we're going to be at this morning, like I said, we're going to spend the next five weeks kind of pulling some, uh, just some different themes and ideas out of First John. Um, but I want to start this morning with a question to kind of set up our time together. And that question is, uh, how do you know that you know something? Now, I don't, you don't have to answer that. It's when you think about that. Like, how do you know that you know something? Or maybe a better way to, to say it, actually it's probably a worse way to say it, but to add some clarity to it. Like how, what is your basis of, of assurance or confidence for what you know? Right? That's, and that's, like, that's a big question, especially in the world we live in today, right? I mean, every, you, every, you can't even look on the news or, or social media feeds without um, there's contradictory or competing headlines, right? There's... Uh, You've got misinformation that divides like entire segments of the population over every conceivable issue. There's uh, just, just anything that, that is disagreeable or doesn't fit in with the narrative that, that you've been told is just fake news, right? So my point is like it's, we live in a time in which that's a hard question to answer sometimes. How do you know what you know, right? And like for me, this is a nightmare because I am Enneagram type five. That might not mean anything to most of you. It basically just means that I, like, I want to know why things are and how they work the way they work, and I want to research things to like the nth degree. So, like, in this world where it's kind of like I don't know what to believe, like, I had to learn to live in this tension of, you know, what? There's just some things I'm not really going to know the truth about, right? But the reason I bring that up is because it it sets up today, um, because the. the the book of 1 John, what we're going to look at over <clears throat> excuse me, the next few weeks is we're looking at this idea of, of truth or assurance about, about what we know. And it's far more important than just um, things that are in the headlines or things that are on your news feed. What we're talking about is, is the truth about who God is, the truth about who Jesus is, the truth about who we are, the truth about what we need from Jesus and what he did for us. And so that's kind of the... Uh, the, the theme of First John that we're going to look at in the next few weeks. Right? We look at the truth of, of what does it mean or what should my life look like if, if I've really been transformed by the good news of the gospel. Right? That's what First John kind of hits in a, in a lot of different ways. And so we're going to pull on some of those uh, the next few weeks. Uh, but before we dive in, let me give you some context on the book of First John. It was written by John. Okay, uh, John was one of the apostles he was one of Jesus' inner three, sort of you got Peter, James, and John, so he's like tight-knit group. Uh, he was there 
when Jesus was transfigured, um, he was there at Jesus, there for Jesus' ministry. He was there at Jesus' crucifixion. John was the one that Jesus looked at him and said, hey, I want you to take care of my mom while he's hanging on the cross. And anybody you're going to entrust your mom to, like that's somebody you're, you're down with, right? And so uh, John, my point is like John is, he's in the know. Like he, he had an, an intimate knowledge of who Jesus was, what Jesus taught. Like he knew Jesus, all right? He, uh, he not only wrote 1 John, but he also wrote uh, 2 John and 3 John. Also wrote the Gospel of John and also wrote Revelation. So he's got his fingerprints like all over the New Testament. Okay, and uh, one of the things that I read this week that I thought was interesting, make sure I don't butcher this, um, kind of looking at all of John's different writings, one of the, the commentaries I read said that uh, even though they're written by the same author, each one of those books or, or collection of, of letters has a, a specific purpose. And it's, he wrote that uh, the Gospel of John was written to convert the sinner. He said, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John was written to confirm the saints. Uh, and then Revelation, John wrote to coronate the Savior. And I think that's a helpful way to look at it. And we're going to spend some time in 1st uh, John looking at that idea of confirming the saints. Kind of what I said earlier. What does it mean? Like, how do I know that I'm following Jesus? Like, what should my life look like? What evidence should there be that I'm following Jesus? And so uh, that's what we're going to look at in the letter of 1 John, because uh, the, the audience that John wrote to was, <clears throat> was a group of believers, but they were uh, faced with uh, the challenge of, of there was some group that claimed to be followers of Jesus, uh, but really they had kind of withdrawn from the Christian community and started to teach and promote uh, really heresy that was not, like you could not hold these beliefs and still be Christian, right? That's, not, that's who John's writing uh, warning about in the book of 1 John. So not the recipients are those people, but he's writing to the recipients of 1 John. He's saying, hey, watch out for these people. They're claiming this, but it's not true. Right? They're claiming that uh, at least one of the things they claimed was that, that Jesus was not the Son of God. Right? That's kind of a big deal. All right? and so John writes this letter to, uh, to kind of strengthen their commitment so that they, they can be sure and know that they are right, in the faith, that they're following Jesus faithfully. So let me read. Actually, we're going to read all of chapter 1. Uh, it's only 10 verses, so don't be too scared. Here's, <clears throat> excuse me, here's what John writes. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that your, our joy may be complete. Verse 5, he says, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and our sin, to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So right out of the gate, right, one of the things to notice, First John is uh, believed to be a letter written to a specific group of people, but notice there's no sort of greeting. There's no introduction. There's no salutation. Like every other letter in the, the New Testament, other than the book of Hebrews, uh, every other letter has some sort of greeting, right? Just introducing who the author is, introducing who uh, the recipients are. But, but John's like, nope, we got to get down to business, right? Doesn't even offer a greeting. He jumps uh, right in. And so uh, the reason is, is he jumps right in is because this thing that, that he's confronting is a big deal. I, I mentioned it earlier. You've got some that have withdrawn or seceded from sort of this Christian community and started to teach things that, that really were, were heretical, Right? They were claiming things that, that like Jesus was not the Son of God. Right? They were denying that, that, that Jesus was who he said he was. And that's, man, that's a significant thing. Right? Because um, to deny that Jesus was the Son of God, right? to say that, that Jesus was not God incarnate, is to say that uh, if, like, if you pull that out of, of what it means to follow Jesus, then... Man, there's, there's no atonement for sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. And where there's no forgiveness of sin, there's no eternal life. Right? Where there's no eternal life, there's no joy. There's no hope. And so John's confronting this because this is a big deal. He's writing to encourage these, uh, these believers not to believe the message that they're hearing because if they begin to believe it and live in light of it, like all of a sudden, like, you can't call yourself a believer or a Christian anymore. So this is massively important. And so um, he writes this letter to just encourage them to endure and persevere, uh, keep going in the truth, all right? Because only those who endure in the truth, is his, his point's going to be only those who endure in the truth have eternal life. And in, and in the first four verses that we read, he's, he's rooting that in, the reality of who Jesus was. Remember, John walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He was there for Jesus' teaching. He was one of the inner three, like John's in the know. And so he's saying, hey, I know who Jesus is. I know what he taught. I know uh, the message he proclaimed. And I'm proclaiming it to you because this is massively important. Right? The, the identity of who Jesus was is, is a huge deal. But uh, not only is John writing... Because he, he knows Jesus, not only is he just proclaiming what he knows about Jesus, he's actually going to proclaim the, the message that he says came from Jesus. And that's in verse 5. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and proclaimed to you. That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. All right, so here you got this theme introduced of darkness and light. Or maybe I should say it the other way, light and then darkness. Okay, these are... Not new to John. Uh, he actually mentions this in his gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, but that whole theme of, of light and darkness goes throughout the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. There's constant references to light and to darkness. And really what they do is they, they're one of the themes that is used to kind of talk about uh, light is basically that which is, uh, is, is of God. Right? It's things that are consistent to who God is, consistent to his nature. So uh, truth. Is what we'll look at this morning. But truth, purity, holiness, righteousness, that's kind of all that falls under this umbrella of 
light. And then on the other side, you've got darkness. Darkness is just that which contradicts who God is or his character or his nature. It's, uh, it's lies. It's deception. It's sin. It's rebellion. Right? Unrighteousness. Right? All, everything that contradicts light, that's what darkness is. Right? And so um, John's overarching theme, and we're going to dig into verses 6 and 10 a little more, but his overarching theme is this, if you want eternal life, walk in the light. Right? If you want to experience eternal life, if you want to experience the joy and the hope of eternal life, it means walking in the light. Right? That sounds good, but what does that mean? Right? What does it mean to actually walk in the light? And, and, and essentially, the, the point that John's making here is to walk in the light is just to walk in the truth. Right? Because those that he's going to argue are walking in darkness are those who do not hold to the truth. Right? They hold to, uh, they're, they're teaching things that are contrary to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so his point here to walk in the light is to walk in the truth. But to kind of add some qualifications to that that, that I think will be helpful, it's, here's what it means. Walking in the light means living in the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, and the truth of what Jesus came to do and accomplish. Right? To walk in the light is to walk in the truth of who God is, who we are, and what Jesus came to do and accomplish. So in the remaining verses, 6 through 10, John kind of gets at this idea with, with three different statements. And they all start with uh, this phrase, if we say. Right, so he's going to kind of provide us with some examples of uh, what it means to walk in the light. But he does that with this phrase, if we say. So Here's the first one in uh, verse 6. Read verses 6 and 7. He says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. All right, so here's point number one this morning. Walking in the light means telling the truth to others. Right? Walking in the light means telling the truth to others. So um, by a show of hands, how many of you guys have heard the phrase, uh, if you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk? We've all heard that, right? Or um, one that's especially applicable to me, right? you got to practice what you preach. Okay, we're familiar with that term or... Um, I've heard one before that was like, if you're going to talk about it, then be about it, right? And that's, I mean, that, that, we've all heard those phrases. You've probably heard other ones other than that. Um, but this is kind of what, what John's getting at here. That if you're going to profess to be a believer, then your life has to, to line up with that, right? Because remember, he's, he's talking to his, his audience and he's, he's telling them like, hey, there's some, he gets into it later in, in chapters 2 and 3, he's saying there's some that claim to be believers, but really they're not. They're, though they profess to be followers of Jesus, uh, their life, just the message they proclaim with their life, just blatantly contradicts that. Right? In other words, they're, they're not practicing what they're preaching, or at least what they're preaching is just wrong. Okay, and So that's kind of the, the idea of what, uh, John is getting at here. And, and the idea is like to claim fellowship with God means that we have to walk in 
in the light, walk in the truth of who God is. Right? If, we, if we claim to have fellowship with God, while we walk in darkness, while we uh, walk in what is not true, then John's point is that we have, we're living a lie. Like our life is a lie to others. If we proclaim this, but we live in this way. So, to bring this kind of close to home, right? most of us can probably think in our minds of uh, someone who maybe made a profession of faith uh, when they were younger or kind of long ago, uh, but, but man, as their life has gone on, like just nothing in their life lines up with what they claim to believe. Right? Like, like maybe they uh, walked an aisle and prayed a prayer and filled out a card and, and all that, but, but as life has gone on and the fruit of their life has kind of been revealed, like that fruit does not line up with, with what uh, should, like it doesn't look like what it should. Right? Their life just doesn't produce the kind of fruit it should, if any fruit at all. Right? Most of us can probably name some people like that, right? And, um, and this is... Just to be clear, I'm not talking about people that claim to be believers and then uh, have just decided somewhere along the way they didn't want to be believers or they've walked away from the faith or they've deconstructed or whatever the, the, the popular thing to do is now, right? But my point is, is we all know people that, that if you, they claim to be followers of Jesus and if you really pressed them on it, they would be like, yeah, 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 I'm a follower of Jesus, of course. But their life is like a contradiction to that. The, the message that they profess is not the message that they proclaim with, with their life. And, and, and we all know that. Gosh, maybe that's even some of us here in the room. Right? But, but I mean, but I'm talking about patterns of consistency. Right? And this is kind of what John's getting at here, right? There's, you, to... to to profess this belief, to profess that I'm a follower of Jesus, right, that I believe the truth that Jesus taught, and yet to live consistently. I'm, I'm not talking about, let me, let me back up. I don't want to overstate it. John's not getting at, like he's not saying you have to live a life of sinless perfection to be considered a follower of Jesus. Right? He's going to actually con- contradict that in the next verse. Right? But the point is that if, if overall, like your pattern of life doesn't line up with what it means to walk in the light, then you just shouldn't be comfortable calling yourself a believer. Right? If, if, if you made a profession of faith, and, and over time, like years have gone by, and like your life just doesn't line up with anything that you claim to believe, then you shouldn't be, shouldn't be comfortable saying that you, you walk in the light. Right? Now again, that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean to walk in the light means to walk in a sinless state of, of perfection. That's not what he's saying at all. But, but to walk in the light, like our lives, like we should at least have a desire right, to walk in the truth of who God is. We should at least have desires, even though we live it out imperfectly, we should at least have desires to, uh, and to, to walk in the truth of who God is, to walk in the truth of who, who we are, to walk in the truth of what Jesus has done for us. We should at least have some desires for the things of the Lord, even if we don't live those out perfectly all the time. Like There should be some fruit in our lives if we're going to call ourselves believers, followers of Jesus. 
But then John goes on and he's going to kind of clear up some stuff here. Verse 8. He says, if we say, so here's our next if we say statement. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so here's, here's the second point. Right? Walking in the light means telling the truth to ourselves. Walking in the light means telling the truth to ourselves. So, so John's first point is about telling the truth to others, right? Living a life so that like others who, who, who look at our lives would see that, yes, their life matches up with the message they claim to believe. But then the second part, he turns his attention kind of to this idea of self-deception or telling the truth to ourselves. Right? And again, here, here's John's point in, in this. It's like I just said, walking in the light does not mean that we live in some state of, of sinless uh, perfection. Right? If, if anything, if anything, walking in the light means having an increased awareness of our own sin. Because that's what light does. Light exposes things. So last, I guess it was probably last month, several weeks ago anyways, I I went to, (laughs) I had one day where I had an appointment at the dentist, an appointment at the endodontist, and an appointment at the orthodontist. That's efficient. Just knock them all out at once. Okay? but like when you go and you lay down in that chair and they pop that big light up and stretch it and put it right in your face, you know why they do that? So they can see like, so it exposes all the, the, like all the places that you don't floss. None of us floss, let's be honest, okay? And then we all lie to the dentist whenever they're like, hey, have you been flossing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Right? No, you haven't. They know. You don't have to lie. No condemnation, right? Um, but the reason that they, they, they shine the light is because it exposes. Right? Or, or maybe another example. Have you ever walked through a room and like there's a, the window's open just right and the sun's coming in just right and there's like that ray of light that comes in and you think your house is clean. And then you just see like, what is that floating in the air? Now the reality is that stuff was always there. It's just you don't see it until the light's hitting it. Right? And in the same way, like to walk in the light doesn't mean we live in some state of like holier than now. To walk in the light is to live in this state where I have an increased or enhanced awareness of just how sinful I am. Right? That's, that's, it's like sanctification is this oxymoron kind of thing where it's, yes, we grow in greater conformity to the image of Christ. But at the same time, I also grow <laughs> in my understanding of how how far I have to go to be conformed to the image of Christ. And, and so that's what it means to walk in the light. It, it exposes. But light doesn't only expose, it also offers the solution. right? Because that's what he says in verse 9. If we confess our sins, this is what it means to walk in the light, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness right the it's the light that exposes the darkness but it's the light that also does away with the darkness right it's it's as we come face to face walking in the light as we're exposed to 
the sinfulness in us. It's as we acknowledge that, confess that, repent of that, that the good news of the gospel like comes in and, and he says he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so walking in the light, not only does it mean uh, telling the truth to others by living lives that when people look at us, they can see there's something different. They've been transformed in some way. It also means telling the truth to ourselves, right? acknowledging we're not going to nail this all the time. But, but as the light reveals those places where we're not nailing it, we confess, we repent, and we trust that the, the good news of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse us from those spots of darkness. All right? Then here's the last point that John makes. I'll give it to you, and then I'll, I'll read verse 10. Walking in the light means telling the truth about God. All right, so walking in the light means telling the truth to others, telling the truth to ourselves, but also telling the truth about God. Because here's what he writes in verse 10. He says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him, being God, to be a liar, and his word is not in us. All right, now that's similar to verse 8, right? Verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But here in verse 10, it's like, if we say we have not sinned, not only do we do we, do we, do we I just, I, my brain moves so much faster than my mouth can talk sometimes. Enneagram 5. Um, so so the, the point is that not only do we deceive ourselves, if we say we have no sin, but we also make God to be a liar. And, and the reason is because, man, what we're talking about is God's word. Like, this is what we believe. That, like, this is the word of God. That he inspired uh, a variety of authors to, to record this written word, and then he preserved it for us. Like, we believe this is the word of God. And this whole book, from Genesis to Revelation, is the story of God's plan of redemption. All right, it's the story of God's gracious provision for sinful people like you and me. So for us to uh, claim that we have no sin, or as verse 10 says, for us to say that we have not sinned, is for us to say that God's plan of redemption wasn't really necessary for me. Right? And to do that is to say that in God's word, he's saying that, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, but for us to live in such a way or to believe or proclaim that we've achieved some level of, of perfection is to say that, no, nope, actually, God, that's not true. It's to make God a liar. That's why walking in light means telling the truth about who God is or telling, telling the truth about God. Right? Because to deny, to deny the reality of sin is to make God a liar. Because to deny the reality of sin is to say, well, I, I don't really need a savior. I, mean, I, I cannot think of a, talking about walking in the light versus the darkness, I can't think of a darker place to be than to say, you know what, all that stuff about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, dying on the cross for sin, I, like there's, nothing, there's no benefit in that for me. I can't imagine a more dark place to be. So walking in the light is telling the truth about who God is. All right, so as we kind of close, land the plane of in, in sorts this morning, here's, I want to leave you with this, this question for us to kind of consider. And then I'll give maybe some implications of that, and then we'll 
we'll pray together and, and wrap up, okay? But here's a question for you to consider. Just as we, this week, right, as we head into this series on 1 John and what it means to walk in the truth, to walk in the light, the question is for you is this. Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the light? Are you uh, living in such a way that, that your life is, the message you proclaim, like with your mouth, is also the same message you proclaim with your life before others? Right? Are, you, are you telling the truth to yourself? Are you acknowledging, like, man, there's still areas in my life where, where God's at work and he's cleaning things up? Right? Are you telling the truth about who, who God is? Are you walking in the light? Right? Are you... Are you striving to grow in holiness, in righteousness? Or are you walking in darkness? Is there a, a blatant contradiction between what you claim to know, what you claim to believe, and what you're actually living? Right? right? And, and again, I'm, I'm not, I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about living a life of, of perfection. Because if, if that's what you think walking in the light means, you just missed the last half of the sermon, right? But, but overall, as you kind of take a self-assessment or survey of, of your life, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the truth of who God is and what He has said about you? And more importantly, what Jesus has done for you. Are you walking in the light. Or maybe, and maybe you're here, talk about walking in the light, maybe you're here and you would say, like, yes, I, I believe those things, but um, I've never, I, I, like, I believe who God, I believe the truth of who God is, I believe uh, the truth of who God says I am, I believe the, the truth of what Jesus has done for me, like, I, I believe those things, but I've never, maybe you're here and you've never, like, publicly acknowledged those things through baptism, like your step of response, like is, is I can't think of a, a more tangible example of what it means to walk in the light, to make a public profession of like this is who I am, this is what I profess, this is what I claim to be. Like you, you're to use his his words from uh, the first few verses. It talks about having fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. Like there's no more tangible expression of having fellowship with God and with, with other people in this room than identifying in believer's baptism. So maybe you're here and you would profess to these truths, but you've never publicly acknowledged it. I just encourage you to step, in, step into that. All right, come see me. Let's, let's figure out how we can get you baptized. All right, let's have that conversation. Or maybe you're here, though, and all this talk about walking in the light versus walking in the darkness, maybe all this talk about the light has just exposed real darkness in your own life. Maybe, maybe for the first time you're here and you, you just have all of a sudden realized, Man, I, I do have sin in my life. I, I've, I, I do have a need for a Savior. And maybe you've never actually like acknowledged that in any meaningful way. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday while I was mowing the yard, hopefully for the last time this year. Um, <laughs> I was listening to, I just killed the moment, didn't I? I was listening to a, a podcast, and the podcast was talking about, uh, it was actually a sermon, because that's what preachers do on their, on their days off. They listen to sermons. But he was talking about this, this 
celebration in his church and these people that were being baptized and how uh, and almost testimony after testimony was people who grew up in church and had just never really like actually responded to the gospel message that they'd heard a hundred times. I mean, I don't want to be so naive to think that maybe, there's, maybe that person's in here this morning. Like you've kind of heard about the gospel and you've been around church your whole life. Your grandpa was a deacon, but like you've never put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and the hope of eternal life. And my prayer for you this morning is that this talk of light would just expose that to you. That you would, and that you would come forward and say, I, I want to know what, it, I want to step into that. Right? I, I want to, I want to confess my sin. I want to confess my need for a Savior. I want to step into that relationship, maybe for the first time this morning. And if that's you, that's your response. I mean, you can pray like the these simplest prayer in, in your seat. There's no magical formula. There's no magical words. And you can just pray there in your seat and just, God, I, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you save me? And if you mean it, I think that God honors that prayer. Now, I would encourage you not to leave without telling somebody else about that this morning. And if you're here, and that's you, again, my prayer is the light would expose that to you. That expose it that all this time you've been walking in darkness. And here God's calling you into the light. All right, so as the band comes, um, this is going to be a time of response. But let me pray for us this morning, all right? Father, we come to you. We thank you for uh, just the truth of your word, the truth of who you are, uh, as you've revealed yourself in your word. Um, Father, we're confronted from your word with the reality of who we are and our, our desperate need for salvation, our desperate need for a savior. And so, Lord, this is a time of response. And however, however this falls on your people here this morning, I, I pray uh, that you would prompt them to respond. Lord, where there's uh, well, help us to take an assessment of our lives. Are we walking in the light? Or, or, um, or has our life been largely marked by, by darkness? Or maybe we're, maybe we're genuine believers, but there's just been really no, uh, no real effort to grow in holiness or righteousness or, or to walk towards the light. And I pray that if, if that's the case, Lord, that you would reveal that to us that we might repent and strive to walk in the light. Or maybe there's some here this morning that have never stepped into the light. Maybe they've, they've been walking in darkness. They've been walking contrary to who you are and contrary to your word. And if that's the case this morning, I pray, pray that you would reveal that to them and that they would have the, the boldness and the courage to acknowledge that. Not to be ashamed about that because, goodness, we've all been there. Right? Those of us that here in this room that, we're, that are believers, that at some point in our lives, we've had to face the reality that we've been walking in darkness. So Lord, if there's someone here this morning that that's been the, the path of their life to this point, I pray that, that you would expose that, that they might turn and repent and confess and find the cleansing that we just read about. That they would see a faithful God who is who is who is faithful and just and who promises to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, however you want us to respond this morning, this is, this is your moment. 
pray that your spirit would prompt us to move however you would have us to. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.